0: and um, we'll go from there.
1: Sounds good.
2: You guys getting a lot of snow
1: out there, Heather? No. um, We just got a lot of rain last night. Um, All the snow is up north. Looks like um, maybe northern New Hampshire got some snow, but we're in Salem, so yeah, plenty, plenty of rain.
3: rain. Yeah.
1: You got plenty. snow? Uh, it is snowing. It's not
2: really sticking a little bit, but not really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, it looks like this is way <laughs> this rockets to 12 people automatically where Facebook was like ones and twos. So this is great. Um, so thanks, guys, for coming. Um, Heather, Dave and Josh. Josh is on solo on the side over there. And then uh, Heather Knowles and Dave Caldwell. Uh, and collectively, uh, well, Heather and Dave, you guys run Northern Atlantic dive expeditions, is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Very nice. And then Josh is just a straggler you picked up along the way.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> now we get the dues, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Um, Harvey Morash says, hi guys from Lewisburg, Nova Scotia.
1: Hey. So. Hey, Harvey. How you
3: doing, man?
0: Yeah. Uh, John Craig saying hi. So we're gonna have people pop in. Let me check this out. Can you guys see this? See a little comment down in the bottom left. Hello. Hello. Hey, there you go. So that's that's pretty sweet. So, um, how are you guys weathering the storm? Well, not the snowstorm we were talking about before, but the uh, the coronavirus COVID storm. How are we making out?
3: Missing diving. Yeah.
1: It's like the longest <laughs> blowout ever. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I think North Carolina might disagree. I think they've been blown out for entire seasons before. So yeah, that, that is true.
3: So, for sure. Yeah. It's true.
0: Yeah. Uh, what are you guys doing to keep busy?
1: Well, well, I mean, we're doing all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, we're just trying to stay focused on, you know, having, having some structure to the day, mm-hmm. uh, staying engaged, exercising, um, and, you know, trying to learn a few new things. So we're, Learned to bake bread. I gave Dave a haircut yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know, so I, I, we're just trying to stay focused on today and, um, you know, just be positive.
0: Yep. That's a good, good way to do it. What about you, Josh?
1: Yeah, about the
2: same. I'm still working a little bit uh, from home a few days. So definitely trying to keep that structure on days when I'm at home and just trying to get through. You know, it's it's forced me into uh, another semi hobby that I have of mountain biking because there's no diving here right now so mm-hmm. I can go five minutes down the street and get a little bit of exercise so yeah well, that's about it
0: very nice uh, and for people who don't know Josh kind of does double duty he hangs out at up here at my shop in Syracuse periodically and then I know he dives with you guys a lot also so um, yeah. yeah he brings bags of bottles to get filled to me and he's like I'm going places but I can't tell you where I'm like all right thanks <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot, lot lot of good driving, a lot of commuting. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, yeah. Josh,
3: Josh probably has one of the longest commutes to to the dive boat. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: but I, I'm usually there. Um, usually one of the first ones there. I might add.
3: Absolutely,
0: Josh
2: yeah. is always on
1: time.
0: Yeah, we were just discussing that. <laughs> what yeah, times are. Yeah, Josh mm-hmm. it up at two fifteen for the three o'clock show. <laughs> That's
1: right. Well, yeah. if you're on time, you're late. So yeah.
0: it's the yeah. boat's
1: not loaded at six for a seven thirty departure, then you're late.
0: yeah um
1: where is the boat now
0: is it in dry dock is it where Uh,
3: the the boat's in um it's in beverly it's in its um harbor slip and uh we stay in all winter
1: and um,
3: you know it uh it gives us the opportunity if in the event we do want to get out on a nice day we do have the opportunity to run so the boat is fully operational um over the past month and a half here i've just kind of been working on a few projects here and there that I've been more or less procrastinating over a year or so. So it's, it's kind of given me the opportunity to kind of step up and do those projects that I maybe have had on the back burner for a while.
0: Nice. Um, any improvements you guys are making to the boat over the, that you want to talk about that you're, um, making over this little break here?
3: Well, I'm. Um, Putting a hot water system in for fresh water for a shower wash down on the back deck, so I'm looking forward to having a hot shower when I come out of the water, <laughs> at least for our fresh water spray down. So that's that's a project that's a project that's uh, presently underway.
0: That's great. Yeah. I'll put a link in for you guys for the uh, into the comments on to Northern Atlantic Dive Expedition, so people can see the boat and everything. Great. So-
1: yeah, we tried to um, have creature comforts on the boat. You know, when we built the boat, we kind of took everything that we liked about every dive boat we've been on and everything we didn't like and tried to, you know, incorporate all of that into uh, the gauntlet. And then um, just this past year, actually, we did a pretty significant upgrade of all of our electronics, which, um, was really cool, and now we have uh, hummingbird Solix system. So we've got sort of a poor man side scan sonar, and um, some you know sort of new, just new uh, GPS nav and fish finder, and everything's tied together. So it's cool. It's something uh, you know fun to to use when we're out there. And uh, we've got a couple of other projects we're hoping to do, but it's it's always a balance of how much money you can spend, and then just um, you know, a dive boat's got a lot of wear and tear, so you have to be mindful of, you know, what a set of doubles or a rebreather's gonna do, bumping into something.
0: Yes. Yes. Gary Baker says, long live the banana bread. Yes. <laughs> long
1: live the banana bread, yep. <laughs> there's all the inside
0: jokes that pop up, and I'm <laughs> a little nervous because Matt Glasses is on the side over here, and I'm wondering when, I, when the other yahoos are showing up. Um, but there's all these inside jokes that get thrown out there that I'm like, I don't understand, but maybe I should say this.
3: Well, well, Gary on the on the banana bread, we might as well explain them as we go oh. along here. In order for Gary to go diving, Marcia, his wife, has to make a banana bread. <laughs> so I don't like that. he be invited onto the boat. So, oh, you know, that's where the banana bread comes in.
1: That,
0: that word
3: very
1: popular. So. It is
3: very, very popular. That is
0: yeah. excellent. I will uh, I'll have to research that and get a little bit of Gary's wife's banana bread. Josh, you going to bring me some? Sure. <laughs> okay.
2: It's been a while since I've seen that myself, but that it's pretty oh. some amazing bread for sure.
0: <laughs> that's excellent. I love it. Um, Josh actually partakes in this. I made a joke that I was like, you know what? All you guys think that I'm giving away information for free at my shop, but I expect beer. And um, Josh shows up and he's, he brings me beer every time he comes up. I'm like it was a joke, yeah. but I'll we'll take have it. To make not- a
1: attacks for Josh to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Great, thanks for outing me there. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a problem. You got to share the wealth, man. It's good beer.
2: Yeah, um, although I have brought some cookies from time to time.
0: Oh yeah, cookies made
2: an appearance this last season.
0: <laughs> funny. Um, any big plans for the well, the theoretical upcoming season? And depending on what's going on, uh, is there anything you guys are working on?
3: Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, normally by this point in the season, you know, we'd have the whole schedule mapped out and, and all of our plans and. Um, you know, the current situation kind of took the wind out of our sails. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's hard to find the balance right now of, you know, making big plans that you might not be able to do. Yep. Um, but, you know, we definitely plan to keep exploring the Allentown, which uh, we've been diving since 2016. And we were able to identify just this past year. So there, there's a lot to explore there. Um, another one of the the things I've done with all my free time is um, entered about 200 hangs into our nav software. Right. So, um, that little project that, you know, we were hoping to do, but never had the time. We finally are, are getting to some of these things. So we've got a lot of stuff to look at and, um, you know, some, see if we can find a couple new wrecks. There's a few that are on the list still. Um, and then, um, you know, hoping to just do some, classes. We've got some couple of classes on the books and hopefully we'll be able to get those done too. So you know there's there's plans, but you know everything is so tentative right now.
0: Yep. What classes do you guys have in the uh the pipe?
3: Um we've got a lot of intro tech classes lined up. Nice. Um we're doing a lot of um dive coaching as well as mentoring. So we have a few programs that we've um, established and we've been doing well with. But um, this year we've had a big group um, that was anticipating to start already uh, with Intro Tech, and unfortunately, um, obviously, we've had to postpone those for the time being. Yeah. But we'll get back to them. We have a lot of anxious guys that are and people and students that are are looking forward to, um, you know, learning how to dive with doubles and and get into more technical diving. So we're looking forward to that
0: yeah we've been um we've been using we had the same thing and we've been using zoom to try and get people all caught up and so get rid of the you know get checked off the classroom via zoom instead of face to face so when we get the water we can hit the round ground run.
3: yeah
0: so um trying to get Rackley to do something on a professional level dive master or something like that he keeps resisting though
2: yeah I, i like diving
3: yeah. Yeah. What's the yeah going into a dive master or instructor level? That's one sure way to stop your fun diving.
2: <laughs>
0: it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What agency do you guys train through?
3: Uh, we teach through Nawi and TDI. Nawi TDI. Good. Yeah. So right. I'm a um, course director trainer for Nawi, also a technical um, instructor examiner for Nawi, um, and then we're we keep TDI as more or less a secondary agency. Uh, where we training up through open circuit trimix.
0: nice, that's good. Uh, and you guys just made the switch to XCCR,
3: yes? Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess well, it was about two years. Two ago. years ago.
1: Time has definitely flown, but yeah, I guess it was March. I, I saw my Facebook feed showing <laughs> some memories, uh, and yeah, March twenty eighteen, we made the switch.
0: Nice, that's good. So you guys are liking those?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're
3: they're nice units. Um, We've been happy with them.
1: We really like the modularity. Um, We went to truck in November 2018, I guess. And, um, you know, we were able to pack them into uh, a small Mm carry-on, fit them in the overhead. I know you can Mm -hmm. do that with a lot of rebreathers, but, um, you know, we like the different size canisters. Uh, We've got an eight-pound scrubber. We've got a 5.5-pound scrubber we can kind of scale it up or scale it down depending on how compact we need to be. Um, you know, we've all sort of dealt with the pain of, um, bag check bag fees. And, you know, Josh can tell you about our adventure in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, if anyone would like to hear about Yeah, you know, absolutely. tales from the crypt. And- yeah. Of course <laughs> I, I, lucked out on that. I,
2: I mean, going over, I was just super nice and to, to the gate person and, and they gave me free baggage over and coming back. I can't remember. Um, I think they felt bad for me because I was like, you know, I had my rebreather and it was like, I, there was a little bit of a language barrier and, you know, taking a, they are saying, Oh, it's over. It's over. So I was like taking out like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it like turned out, it was like, you know, I mean, it was probably like 15 pounds over or something
1: ridiculous.
2: <laughs> so they were just like, forget it. We'll just give it to you. <laughs> Which yeah. They did. Nice. But um, yeah, it's definitely um, we're, a couple of us are rethinking how we're going to travel in the future with, with, Luggage and what we're checking and how we're going to do it.
0: Yeah uh, So did you check that bag you checked your rebreather is that why you're oh, over? yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It, it just makes it easier um, Egypt I didn't bring my camera, but I, I did I did it when I went to truck in 2017 So it's you know, when you got a camera, you know DSLR You, know, you get the camera you know, the lights and the housing and all of that. I mean that was my my carry-on So I wasn't able to take the rebreather plus a lot of these airlines um know truck united was was kind of open of course this was three years ago i mean they didn't really weigh anything but going over to egypt we were on a couple different airlines and they were definitely weighing carry-on and checking carry-on
1: oh really yeah Yeah. and and limiting the number of carry-on so this was the really unpleasant situation that we had in cairo on the way home um josh can tell you about this he was Uh, packing his pockets full of stuff (laughs) um, because they wouldn't let us take two carry-ons on the plane. They, you know, normally you have like, you know, your personal bag and then a carry-on and our personal bags were, I guess, a little bigger than they would normally be like a backpack, for example. And they called that a carry-on and then like the rollerboard carry-on, they considered to be a second carry-on. So they insisted that we check it and not everyone could check what was in those bags, maybe they had dive light or rebreather or camera or something that was fragile and couldn't yeah. be. Changed. So, um, in a true team effort, we came together and redistributed things into bags, and um, we had to check what we had to check, and, and we've got everyone's stuff home safely. But you know, it was kind of um, there's a little bit of a you know a, a lesson in what we're probably looking at in the future, and that's you know, unreliable, um, you know, sort of, it's, it's unreliable what you're gonna be able to carry on. And so yeah. you're either gonna be checking more or you're gonna to have to just continue to be able to pack stuff smaller.
3: Yeah, um, or pay up.
1: Well, right, if you can check yeah. it, right? Yeah. So like, you might not be able to check a light or, you know, if we're traveling with our cameras, we don't wanna check all the components of the cameras. And it's just this ever challenging uh, Tetris game and, uh, You know, it's Egypt definitely made us rethink some things, especially with the challenges we had coming home.
2: Yeah, it was bad. I mean, we had we had checked in everything, like gone through the gate and all of that and gone through the like the check in process with our bags and stuff. And this was after that, that we were stopped and they were like, you can't have two bags. And we were like, why? And like, well. You know too many people have two bags it's like well we're allowed to have two bags and i, right. I was actually pretty conservative in, in, in what i had i just had like a messenger style bag that wasn't even full and and just a small soft duffel so no problem yeah. in terms of that but the, um, and you know that at that point it was just like pulling stuff out and you know trying to make sure i didn't have batteries like lithium-ion batteries and things like that that was going to then go checked uh, they checked the bag for free so it was fine but it was not what i it was things had to get checked that i didn't want checked yeah you know so it was pretty frustrating it was super early in the morning too and i don't even remember but it was probably like we all wanted to be
1: home at that point we <laughs> yeah. were like, you know in our last uh, uh you know sort of the end of the trip we'd been in egypt for like 12 or 13 days i think and we were ready to leave
0: yeah
1: very quickly <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh all right uh lauren fitzgerald says hi barbara Knowles just says thomas oh she's trying to share it uh and nick hollis says hello he says, hey up? Nick. how what's you doing? doing hey everyone hey
1: yeah.
0: he's he's just previewing because he's worried about what's going to happen i'm sure when i have them on next week so
1: yeah hi uh, just checking in we let like someone else a guinea pig for this yep. segment, so <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
0: well, yeah yeah it's, it's a good format i like it um it's nice. Yeah. Uh, So we kind of covered what you guys had planned for summers and classes and the boat. Um, Let's get to some diving stories. So uh, we'll start with you guys, Heather and Dave. How did you guys kind of get started diving? What was that? What's that deal like?
3: It was so darn long ago, I don't remember. (laughs)
1: We both uh we both started diving as children um, you know my father got me into diving he's a diver um, and so I was always really I loved the water I used to be on the swim team and I just was just had an affinity for the water and um, you know he used to go diving every Sunday and um, when he came home I would be so keen to you know check out the dive gear and I always hoped he would come home with like 500 psi in his tank and take me diving in the pool. Yep. And uh, eventually he did, and he started teaching me to dive, and and uh, I made my first dive in the ocean at 10, uh, way before I could be certified, um, back when you could do things like that with your kids and people wouldn't call the Department of Child Services, I guess. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I got certified at 13 and um, just, I loved diving. I loved shipwrecks. I was really fascinated by the Andrea Doria. That was, you know, a, a goal for me to, to dive that wreck. Um, and I just, yeah, I just always loved diving from as far back as I can remember.
0: My 10 uh, my year old does the same thing. She waits for the truck to roll up. She knows what my bailout looks like and she grabs it and like looks at me and I'm like, go ahead take it in the pool. Yes, you can, you can go um we go in the pool as soon as she sees the truck roll up with the rebreather she's going after it so
2: it's awesome that's great
0: um josh how'd you start diving
2: oh back uh so i grew up uh, in virginia on the chesapeake bay and and i always had a fascination with history i mean we've got jamestown williamsburg down there and, and of course yorktown and you know, I grew up very close to Yorktown, so we would I would spend a lot of days when I was younger watching the The National Geographic uh, did a story on the excavations, uh, if anybody wants to read about it, back in the 80s, um, excavating the Civil War shipwrecks and things that are, are in the river there. And so that was really captured my fascination, but I've always been around the water and boats and things like that. So I learned how to dive probably uh, about 15, 16 years ago, and first couple of years was just more... Catch a dive here or there, and when I moved to Nashville, that's really, really when it took off. You know, we did a lot of, lot of, um, you know, mucky ucky diving in the lakes. Uh, but there's a lot of great stuff. You know, we would we would go out and find cars, and uh, there's a quarry out there that's that's no longer operational. But it was it flooded with all the buildings and the equipment's in it, equipment in it. So you could go up and down the hallways and swim through the buildings, and that really captured my love of diving. You know, and of course we were close to Florida as well. So when I moved up to Boston, probably about six, seven years ago, I, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do and that's when I met Heather and Dave and started my route to technical training and rebreather diving.
0: Yep. Excellent. So, um, one of the reoccurring kind of questions that we get with all of this is, um, exploration. How do, how, someone becomes an explorer, everybody was asked, how do I become an explorer? And, and Jill and Hyrenth and I were discussing it and saying it's as simple as you dive somewhere that someone hasn't really been yet with with somebody and go look at stuff and see what you can find. Um, I was discussing it with like Gaudreau and how many times they've dove just wet rocks and gone down and it's just a pile of rocks, you know, um, from when they were looking for it. So how did you guys start, um, I guess, The term exploring, but but how did you start looking for um, for boats? Um,
3: We started getting into exploration diving probably about twenty years ago, Um, and we part of the the foundation of our business, um, Northern Lake Dive Expeditions, was exploration with uh, of shipwrecks. And um, we have a very vast area um, of geography for export. You know, for for wrecks, um, many have been discovered, and those are the wrecks we consider bread and butter wrecks that we go to on a regular basis. But we also have a very long list of, um, as Heather mentioned, hangs, and we've been very slowly uh, just nitpicking through that list, um, looking for shipwrecks, and we've. Uh, We've been pretty successful over the years. It's been a lot of work. Uh, we spent a lot of time. There's, you know, uh, a lot of frustration at, at points. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there are those rock piles, and you know, we try to do our best to minimize diving on them. <laughs> so, um,
1: I think we we were well part of you know wanting to have our own boat was to, to have the vehicle to to sort of get out there and and look for things. Um, but I think, you know, we got introduced to that, We you know, I, I guess we all have a natural curiosity and some of us, you know, have interest in history or we have interest in shipwrecks specifically or just, you know, just sort of being curious and, and getting out there. But I think we, we started to get introduced to people that could mentor us and, um, you know, create opportunities for us to, to start doing some of that. And and for us, that goes back to the Wahoo with Steve Belinda and Hank Garvin and, and Janet Beezer um, and Eric Takajian who used to run a boat called the gray Eagle, um, which was actually a little before my time, even. Um, Not not before mine. (laughs) You know, a lot of these people took us under their wing and they, um, You know, they, they mentored us and, and as we progressed they gave us opportunities to join. Um, You know, we started, uh, you know, going on some expedition type trips uh, offshore. We got to dive out on George's bank uh, with our friend, Eric, um, and we learned a lot. And so then when the time came that we had our own boat, um, some of those people came and dove with us and helped us, um, you know, sort of progress it along um, as it being sort of our thing. And um, and then we we started to grow a group of friends who are like-minded. That's you know where you know, people like Josh come in. You know we we were able to meet and bring in people who were like-minded and had similar interests and were good team players. And um, and that just helped you know create a dynamic that allowed us to get out there and start exploring and and making making progress. Not just going out there and wandering around, but you know we we could really. And make some objectives and, and have a plan to go do it. Nice.
0: Um, what was the first wreck that you guys found?
1: It's um, a good question. Um, you know, probably the first notable
3: wreck that we were involved with. Um, again, it was a team effort. Um, Bob Foster and uh, Heather, myself, and there was uh, a few other people, Jack O'Hearn, um, and we dove the YF and discovered the YF415. Um, and that was really the first. It was a military ship, um, military navy ship, um, and that was the really the first historically significant wreck that we discovered, uh, and participated in discovering.
1: Yep. It was before we had the Gauntlet, and uh, we were we were diving on a boat called the Donna Three, and that's where Dave and I started Northern Atlantic dive expeditions. We didn't have a boat, um, and so we we started a business and we used to charter the Donna three for like the whole season. Um, and then we would fill the boat and, you know, go out diving. And, and we had been diving with a group of friends, um, doing exploration work and Bob Foster had developed a, a set of targets and, uh, we were out investigating them and we ended up diving this one at about 240 feet of water. Um, and it turned out to be a, a really, important and interesting find, the wreck of the YF-415, which, um, you know, I guess is a story for another day, but that has been a truly remarkable story where, you know, almost, well, over 15 years later, we still have people contacting us about the wreck, uh, relatives, um, uh, descendants of people who were on the vessel that, you know, coordinated the rescue of YF-415 sailors, like, we've made so many incredible connections from the YF story. You know, Dave, Bob, and I have met with some of them. And it's just, um, that was a really interesting and rewarding experience. But I guess that would be our first one, being part of that team that uh, discovered that wreck. And then I think for us, um, you know, once we had the gauntlet, uh, you know, we, we had searched for and found a a number of different wrecks, you know, fishing boats, things like that. But I guess the Nezen Scott would have been probably the next historically significant wreck, and that was a tugboat that sank in 1909 um, up north of Cape Ann. So a little bit, a little bit of a ride for us. But that was another fascinating story where you know you start diving into the archival records and you just keep peeling the layers back, and the story gets more and more interesting. Um, so I guess, a, yeah, the YF and the Nose and Scott are really two that really stand out.
0: Nice. Josh, what, what was your first, uh, was this one, that the Allentown, was this your first one or were you do, were, have, were you participating before that?
2: Yeah, so the Allentown would be the first expedition style, exploration style diving that I've been part of. Uh, and, you and know, of course there's always been that, that spirit there. And I, you were talking about, you know, what it, what is it, or what does it take to be an explorer? And I think there's always that, that spirit inside. I mean, even when I was diving in Nashville, I mean, we would go out and look for like sunken cars and, you know, right. go out to like party Cove where people would tie up their boats and we would go in the morning, early in the morning on like a Friday and, and just look for stuff. I mean, not, nothing historical, obvious, but, uh, you know, we would find all kinds of stuff and it's just that that spirit and, and so now being able to really, you know, incorporate a little bit of history and incorporate the camaraderie and, and teamwork of diving and with good friends and you know it's and it's more than just the diving, you know, it's also about the people that were on the ships that go down. A lot of these ships are graves for people. So you know it becomes it becomes much more than just Diving. It's it's much bigger.
0: Absolutely. So um the the mystery of the steamship Allentown, you guys discovering the Allentown. Uh, my perspective of this entire thing is Josh coming in for Phil's going, <laughs> I need this mix. Where are you off to? I just I, I just need this mix. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, I know you're up to something. And then uh, he's, I'm like, what depth? He's like, just give me this mix, basically. I'm like, all right, we're down. I'm done. I understand. I won't press any further. I just want you to share as soon as you can. Uh, so we got to chat about it He and um, previously, but I'm really excited to have you guys on here and, and talking about this. So um, why don't you give us kind of a rundown of how you guys found this and the story behind you guys finding this wreck?
1: Um, Sure. Yeah, if you want to clip to the next slide. Next slide, you can
3: see a picture of what it looked like before it sank.
0: Before it sank. Let me turn this one off and turn this one on. Beautiful. There you go.
3: So this, this, um, the the Allentown actually um, has kind of eluded a lot of people over the years because there really wasn't any um, easy to find documentation of it sinking, and a lot of it was really not known about. And as Heather mentioned earlier, our friend, uh, Eric Takajian, he actually started this search probably about better part of 30 years ago. Um, and, you know, Eric has been a longtime friend of mine and Heather's as well. And he uh, turned us on to um, more or less continuing his search probably about 20 years ago. And you know he made mention to it. He said, you know, this has been something I've been looking for for a number of years. More or less, just you know, handed us and passed off his research um, for us to continue the search for the Allentown. Um, so we had been working in collaboration with Eric um, as well as the team, and you know, at, we've been you know looking kind of cherry picking along. Um, there was one point a few years back that we actually thought we found it, uh, which we didn't. Um,
1: yeah, if you want to go to the the uh, engine
3: slide, there's, yeah, uh,
0: there's a picture two, of it. two ahead. Mm-hmm. Two slides ahead, yeah. All right, so that's... Oh, the...
3: okay, yep, I got you. Hide, show the stream. Is that there? Yeah, so... Yep. so... This was a dive that Eric and I came down on for the first time in um, all of us dove it. It was actually an interesting one. We came, this is the steam engine that we came across. Um, and when Eric and I, we were actually had this view of it and we were kind of coming along the bottom and we both just looked up and in amazement, we looked at each other and we were like, this has gotta be the Allentown. This is it, this mm-hmm. is the steam engine. I mean, we're looking around. And then very quickly we realized that it wasn't the, the Allentown, um, but what it did do is it led us down a path to be able to um, use engine specifications to um, positively identify a shipwreck, and we do that by measuring the cylinder head, uh, the type of engine that it was, and we were able to start cataloging specifications from engines, and in particular, uh, the Allentown itself. And, for example, that's that's what the uh, Eric measuring the Allentown, the cylinder head of the Allentown. And that actually came within one inch of the specifications off the uh, enrollment forms. Wow. So, you know, that's that's where that first steam engine took us um, into being able to eventually move on, find the Allentown, and then positively identify it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a wreck that a lot of people had been looking for um, way before our time. So we got lucky in some ways that we got invited to join the search for it. And, um, you know, we, we dove a lot of targets with Eric and, and with the team on the gauntlet and it came up ent- empty. I mean, we found a lot of other interesting wrecks, so it wasn't for nothing. Um, but what really was the break for us in the story of the Allentown was the collaboration we have with NOAA, um, and the Stillwagon Bank National Marine Sanctuary, where we're doing uh, collaborative research with them. They basically give us sonar targets, uh, which are unexplored shipwrecks, and then we go out and dive them. And then we document the wrecks, we write reports, we report back to them, we share the imagery um, and help them catalog and identify, uh, you know, what their inventory of shipwrecks is that they aren't able to go and do themselves um and that in turn helps us with our research because we're not trying to reinvent the wheel like they already know where this stuff is they might as well just share it with us so we aren't diving things that are already known and and be crossed off the list so this was sort of the backdrop to the search for the allentown and why it made a lot of sense for us to partner with them and tap into the information that they already had um and in turn you know we were helping them And so as it turns out, you know, we had dove probably seven targets under the agreement. And then one day, Matthew Lawrence, who was the maritime archaeologist at the sanctuary at the time, he came to me and he said, we have this other target. It's actually outside of the sanctuary. Um, They were doing synthetic aperture sonar surveys. And when they were making a turn, they picked up a piece of a wreck. Um, but because it wasn't in the sanctuary, they didn't investigate it. And he said, you know, we'd like to know what this is because it's, it's bearing on our research in terms of trying to rule some things in or out. Yeah. So are you guys interested in, in going out there? And it was basically this really grainy image where you could see kind of two pieces of Iraq. Um, and when I saw it, I was like, Oh, this is, this is something good. So, uh, without being too excited about it, you know, we kind of went back and, and got the team together and we went out there and dived it. And um, the first dive we did, the conditions were, were terrible. The visibility was maybe three feet. Um, we really, all we could really do was just kind of get down there and just look around and make a couple of observations. But when we did make the dive and we realized it was a an iron hull vessel, there was coal everywhere. like it it put the allentown kind of at the top of the list along with another vessel and um and that's really what sort of catalyzed the whole project is you know we got this opportunity to to explore a target that was given to us by noah um and as it turns out the wreck was the allentown
0: um yeah the sonar image from the is your guys sonar image right it's not theirs
1: correct yeah so um after we, after we dove the wreck, it was kind of near the end of the season and we didn't have a lot of time to, to get back out there. And the first dive was to that middle piece on the far right. That's the midship section. We didn't know it was the midship at the time. Um, so we, we did a survey sort of at the end of the season. And um, our friend Mark Monroe, who's a really talented um, side scan sonar operator, we us all
0: back in there. Oh, it rearranges us if I put us in a different order. Interesting. Uh, it's like Hollywood Square is over here. Uh, Josh, what were your first dives on it like? When did you get involved in this whole thing?
2: Yeah, so we started, uh, I started diving out uh, this last year and.
3: Sounds like, uh, let me just interrupt for a minute. It looks like we lost some sound there.
2: Yeah. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Um,
3: we can, but I'm sh- I'm just looking at some of the comments. Yeah. No.
2: Ah.
0: Really we lost sound, huh? Mm-hmm.
3: Hey Harvey, can you hear us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's see. Okay, yeah, it looks oh, hey, We're back. It must been right, a little yeah. Delay. yeah, so it's it's definitely a challenging dive. I mean, this is um this is tough diving. I mean, the the, the visibility, I don't think I, I, 15 feet might be very generous as the best, but that is definitely not the most common. I mean, visibility is typically very poor, heavy particulate. Uh, there tends to be quite a bit of current. Um, just, just challenging dives. Of course, you know, we're used to it, but for those who aren't, I mean, it, it's cold, cold water diving for sure. And it's just, it's yeah. And you don't know, you know, that's, that's half the thing is you don't know what the wreck is. I mean, we were checking this wreck out. So we didn't quite know where we were going or what the conditions were going to be like. I mean, I remember a dive that was super sketchy. Uh, uh, so we, we were diving three teams of three, and I was on the unofficial J team. It's uh, myself and and Jessica and John. And, you know, we go down. Visibility was not good this dive. The current was, was fairly moderate going down, but we were able to get down okay. Uh, sort of mild to moderate on the wreck. And our, our task or mission this this dive was to try to get into the engine room and see what we can see in there and we got down we went down the line we got got outside of the entrance that we were going to penetrate through and you know started to go in and very quickly realized just how i mean we were the first people that had ever been in there and how quickly it silted out i mean just looking just breathing just silted it out completely and we we did make it back running a line made it back and just realized that we needed to get back out of here before we even had a chance to really (laughs) you know poke around too much and of course you know we're down there we're remaining calm and it was kind of after all this it was kind of like well boy that was super sketchy but um, we we turned around and I, I was following Jess and I mean, I just I, the only thing that I could see was just a faint glow of light, and sometimes when she would kick me in the face. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how close we were, and we just couldn't yep. see each other. So when we got back out and coming back up, I think this was probably the day that also had the worst current. I mean, we were hanging on to that line. I mean, I I, I deployed my John line. I think we were all on a John line, and we were just being blown way. You know, just. It was bad it was bad and you know we got back up there and we were all kind of looking at each other like wow you know that was um that was super sketch you know that was uh <laughs> maybe should not have been doing that
0: <laughs> well you live to learn from it right and that's <laughs> right
2: yeah
3: yeah
0: uh, so going forward from there how did you so you guys identified it from the from the boiler sizes did you need anything else um to support your claims, or was that sufficient enough?
3: Um, No, we actually had a a number of things. The engine was kind of like the clincher, Um, but we had been diving the bow section and using um, deck plans. um, We were able to capture videos, well images, still images, uh, various points on the wreck, um, and we were able to uh, match those directly to the deck plans um, for, for the Allentown. Um, there was, there was a question that we had in play for another wreck known as the GANOS, and we were kind of making a, de- a determination or between the two and using deck plans from the GANOS as well from the Allentown doing the comparison observations, things such as that. Um, and that's more or less kind of collecting objective, um, information and, and data. And, you know, we were able to kind of collectively pull all that together, um, and that's how we made the determination.
1: We were we were certain that it was the Allentown. You know, we started diving the wreck in 2016. We dove the bow section in 2017, which was sort of the start of the next season after after first diving it. So we had shifted over to the bow as our next objective, and um, we knew it was the Allentown, but we didn't want to just make that claim with nothing to back it up. I mean, there's always the possibility you're wrong and you damage your credibility, you know, by having to walk it back. Um, so we really wanted some evidence that was a little bit more definitive. Um, where the wrecks in three pieces, we couldn't really get an accurate measurement. I mean, we did take beam measurements, but the, the, the difference between the, uh, the Ganos and the Allentown in terms of the dimensions was so close, it was almost negligible. Um, so it was really observations comparing to the deck plans. Um, but measuring the the engine cylinders was really the only thing that we could do to, to get something definitive that was also differentiating. So the Ganos had a, a distinctly different uh, size engine. Um, and that gave us the confidence that we could make the statement, it's the Allentown without it being sort of a guess that, you know, was um you know kind of built on assumptions nice
0: and then you guys continue to dive it you you were mapping out as much as you could how how did the mapping out go did you guys use photogrammetry did you uh, did archaeologists come in or anything like that afterwards where did it go from there
1: um so we're we're still looking at some of those possibilities uh because the wrecks in state waters, we actually are diving it under a permit. So we're collaborating with the state. And one of the things that they are interested in doing is a photogrammetry project. I think it would be super challenging because of the conditions. And I think Josh did an excellent job of painting that picture. (laughs) You know, I I can tell you it is so hard uh, taking photos and video there. The, you know, you're diving a rebreather, you're in three feet of viz. It's sketchy, uh, kind of dark, murky water. And now you've got a camera in the mix. Um, it's a lot, you know, you're, you're really stretching your capacity with, with those conditions and to do a photogrammetry project, I think will be really challenging. We haven't said no to it, but we just need to sort of think about how we could do it and what it would require. Um, beyond that, you know, we're, we're trying to document with photos and video. We'd like to develop a, a detailed site map. Um, but right now, the next objective is to dive the stern, which we expect is mostly, especially if you look at the side scan it's it looks like a debris field, um, which means it's going to be low to the bottom and probably the worst viz of the three, uh, mm-hmm. the deepest. So it's, it's going to be unpleasant. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: <laughs> Not looking forward to tying in on that one. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs>
0: Little tiny snippets at a time, you're right. You know, that's a piece of metal, sure.
3: Yeah. That will look good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, very nice. Um, the book you guys sent over, explain what's going on with that book.
3: That's the book, The Dangerous Shallows. And this is um, what our friend Captain Eric Takajian had put together. Um, it's a culmination of his uh, discoveries over the past 30 years diving in Massachusetts Bay as well, Nantucket Sound. Um, he has uh, a tremendous amount of, of knowledge um, on the history. Um, he's probably has located about six, excuse me, 80 to 90 shipwrecks throughout this region. Um, many of our regular diving wrecks that we go to, he was the first one to discover them. Um, and it's a it's a great story about you know his you know discoveries over the years, and um, it it does lead up to the Allentown and um, and you know how he actually found it in the end. Um, and we've and we've worked with Eric for many years. He's a very longtime friend of ours. Um, so you know there's a number of wrecks that he had discovered that we had participated in the discoveries with him. Um, but uh, it's a good read, this, especially this time of year.
1: If you're looking for some reading uh, material, this, this, will, this will get you through a couple of days. Um, there's a good chapter devoted to the Allentown in the book. Uh, it talks about the history, the discovery, and the diving effort. But uh, it goes a little bit further, I think, into what wreck diving is really about for a lot of us, and that's connecting to people and telling stories. Um And so the Allentown was lost with all 18 crew, there were no survivors. And um, that's part of what made it a mystery to find is, you know, without any survivors, there were really no witnesses. And so it's reported location relative to where it was actually found is quite significantly different. Um, But, you know, Eric gets into some of that in the story and in particular, his efforts to locate a descendant of one of the crew members on the Allentown. So, He located a man named Kevin Slovak, who is the great, great, great grandson. The Allentown sank in 1888. So we're going way back. Um, Great, great, great grandson of the chief engineer. And uh, he located uh, Kevin and and met with him. And uh, Kevin had no idea uh, about the story and his family history um, in this regard and was fascinated. And it just sort of opened up a whole new chapter in his life, and his ancestry, you know, learning about um, you know his family and, and the story of the Allentown. And so one of the things that we were hoping to do, and it, it may or may not happen this year, um, but we were hoping to get him up here and, and bring him out to the rec site. Um, but uh, Eric talks about that in the book, which I think is a, a really nice summary of, of the story, but also um, it kind of drives home you know, what our, what our mo- true motivation is for a lot of this, which is, you know, connecting to people um, being able to tell stories that have been forgotten um, and, and bring the, bring new life to these shipwrecks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Does he have a website or anything? I, I tried to get a quick search for him, but I can't find anything just to send him some way.
2: Some- um,
1: Quest Marine services is his business, but I think if you Google, The title of the book. It'll take you to a couple of places, and you can get it on Amazon and Goodreads. Um, Yeah,
0: I grabbed it off of Goodreads. So, cool. Very nice. So, you guys, you guys have a lot more work to do on this, but uh, you guys have gotten a good start, from what it seems like.
1: Yeah, it's always more to explore.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, is the focus going to be on this one or? Primarily, or are you guys going to try and find some other wrecks at the same time?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, we'd like to find the Ganos. Uh, it, it was the other possible match, and that's that would be a really great find too. That one is almost as old as the um, as the Allentown, and uh, let's see, it sank in um, it sank in eighteen eighty one. So it actually was a few years before the Allentown. That would be a great find. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's a few others that are not as significant, but they would be interesting. They're sort of depression era shipwrecks that were uh, scuttled off Boston as part of the Works Progress Administration Act. So it would just sort of round out some of that history. So there's, the list is is endless.
3: Yeah, yeah I see a question that popped yeah. up from Dennis about if any of our te- team members are diving open circuit. Um, <clears throat> Not necessarily on this particular wreck. Pretty much everybody diving on the Allentown project are all diving um, closed circuit. Uh, we do have some open circuit divers that are diving with us, um, but they're usually diving anywhere from, say, the 160 to 180 foot range. Um, it, it becomes a limiting factor with open circuit.
0: Absolutely. yeah.
3: That 200 foot mark is kind of like that threshold where gas really starts to go real quickly expensive. And it gets very expensive for something.
1: When we were diving the nezenscott Scott in 2007, um, Dave and I had just started diving rebreathers in 2006 and we weren't quite ready for that 250 depth range on rebreathers. And we were all still diving open circuit and, um, helium was a lot cheaper then. And it was still, you know, a few hundred dollars dive in gas. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Josh and I were just discussing that with truck and how what the price chain difference is between open circuit and closed circuit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Depends I'm, on how you want to do the math,
0: but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. We'll if you're all in or go home, <laughs> you're yeah. all in at that point.
0: Yes, you are. Yeah, I was supposed to be in truck right now. That's why we were discussing it. So that got canceled. But it's a bummer. Uh, Josh, what are your plans for the summer? Are you going to head out there and do some more research on this one or...
2: Oh, yeah, I'll be out. Uh, you know, I see what we're going to do, but I'll definitely be out there doing some fun diving and hopefully some exploration diving as well. Um, and also maybe up in the St. Lawrence and a few other local things, you know, Seneca Lake is, is kind of nice in a pinch cause it's close to me. I don't have to make a big trip out of something and there's some cool little barge wrecks and things in there. Um, so yeah, be a little bit here, a little bit there.
0: I'm sure if we scootered around in there, we could find some other stuff.
2: I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I think uh, I know they're marking some targets.
3: Uh, yeah. Josh has got a scooter waiting for him.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know sure. they're marking some targets up at, at the uh, north end of Seneca Lake. So I don't know. I'm sure there's still some more down in the southern part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. There's, there's plenty. I'm, um, yeah. I would, I would love to see some more stuff actually found in the Finger Lakes, but, um, Trying to find somebody that's actually going to do it and share the, well, not even share the numbers, but involve people that can actually dive them is is a challenge. So that's the Finger Lakes overall. Um, So that pretty much brings us to time there. Is there any, are you guys doing any presentations? I mean, obviously not right this second, but is there any presentations coming up in the fall or something that's, that's rescheduled from like beneath the sea or anything like that that you want to talk about or anything like that?
3: Yeah, we'll be uh, hopefully speaking at BTS if it uh, comes about this year. Um, and we do have a, a video that we had put together for this. Um, we had spoken at the uh, Shipwreck Symposium by the, um, uh, back in February.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: and with an excellent turnout. Um, that's been, been becoming a really good show lately. So uh, we'll have to see how things go.
0: Very nice. Uh, are you guys going to go down to Tech Dive USA? Did you have plans to do that previously, or
1: we didn't have plans for this year, but I know it's been pushed to 2021, so um, that's a possibility. We're hoping to do some cave diving this spring and, and get back down to High Springs, but that's I think uh, you know <laughs> on on hold. <laughs> on hold, along with everything else. So uh, all our gear is overhauled. The gear, the garage has never been cleaner. <laughs> All our tanks are filled?
0: Yeah. There are a whole lot of projects coming out of this thing. I know Ross Baxter is like remaking an entire like bus and he's I don't even know. He just sends videos of <laughs> things that he makes. Uh Mike McDonald's making benches, you know, everybody's just doing some random stuff. So
3: Yeah. Well, we got we, I, we have Mike McDonald. He lives right around the corner from us like a little <laughs> 5 minutes away. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You
3: yeah, know, <laughs> every every few minutes, I have these pictures coming back to me. Well, what, what should I do? Where should I go? What, what, how do I? You know? No, so. uh, <laughs> he just
0: now he's on the Gas Blunder Facebook group, so uh, he might not be paying paying you too much attention now because he's busy on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's doing a great job. he's, he's, yes. he's, yeah. he's giving us some well, ideas. So yeah, he's he's moving along.
0: Yep, there's. Yeah. Mike and Ross
3: <laughs> no, no, are yet we know what that's all about we've got one of those <laughs>
0: that's great so- uh, for people that don't know what's going on, is basically they are reoccurring jokes that go along through the live stream type stuff that everybody's they're every kind of the same geographical area and it has some sort of interactions and that's where it's all coming from. so yeah
3: and there's always a theme behind it, you know. And like you say, you just need to get in on the story and yep. then you then you can add to it and pick pick up right where it left, left yep. off. So.
0: Go through and watch the other videos that I posted, and you'll figure out what's going on. <laughs> um, uh, everybody's saying thank you, um, thank you for such informative conversation. You guys rock! Oh, well, you guys can see them now. I don't even yeah. have to. We can yeah. see them here. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: thanks for inviting us to. Yeah, to it's talk been with great. It's been fun.
0: My pleasure. Yeah, it uh, gives me a little sanity in my ever-so crazy life. So
3: no, that's fantastic, and it's a it's a great yeah. service to put out there for people. It keeps people engaged. Um, you know that everybody's kind of feeling the same pains here, and you know we're all eager to get back into the water when the time is is right for all of us.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, Matt Glass is giving me crap because I don't have whiskey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh thank you very, very much guys. Um it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh if you guys have when you get to points where you want to discuss any other new things, just let me know and we can we can do something similar on the next one you guys find. I know you won't say it too early. Um <laughs> but I'll know because when Josh comes in asking for random mixes and won't tell me what he's up to, I'll go with up, so I'll contact you guys too. Sounds well, sounds great thank you, right.
1: guys hey, thank you, thank you. Very take much. care, stay safe. Take care. Take care.
0: See you later. Stay healthy, guys. Take care. Thank you. Me
2: too. All right.
0: Bye, guys.